Holy Spirit, come and pray that you would use your word to drive away fear and worry and doubt and give us courage. In the name of Jesus, amen. Just want to give a reminder to the men in the room, men's fraternity starts this Tuesday, 6.30 a.m. in the community center. I will see all you guys there on Tuesday. I want to start with this question. Are you one of those people who just never worries? No matter what, you just never worry about anything. Okay, for both of you. Because <laughs> there can't be any more than two. Right? You just listen to this sermon to help someone else, get some tips to help someone else. For the rest of us normal people, today's Bible show story shows us how we can not only experience God's peace in fearful times, which is certainly the promise, but more than experience God's feast, we, peace, we can actually defeat worry. We can do battle with worry and fear and win so that we can live a life filled with victory, confidence, hope, power, and joy. And that's important because for all but the two of you, whoever you were, most of us are going to worry from time to time about our finances, our health, careers, our kids. Right? That's a huge one, right? I have two daughters that are in elementary school, and, and already I worry about the teenage years, right? Already I feel the need to tell them to stay away from boys until they're 35, because <laughs> you know, boys are terrible creatures that will give them bubonic plague, like rats, right? Boys and rats. Equate the two in your mind, girls. And as you know, I have a history of being kind of a worrywart. I remember way back the first year I did college ministry, took a group of students backpacking. And we're supposed to meet at the trailhead, but this one car was late. We were waiting for over an hour for this car, and I was just standing there and standing there, and my wife came up to me for no other purpose than to mock. And she started wringing her hands, and she said, oh, they're late, and we're never going to find them because they're lost, and their parents are going to sue, and the students are going to get mad, and they're going to leave the ministry, and the ministry's going to collapse, and you're going to get fired. And she said, that's what you're thinking, isn't it? <laughs> and I said, yeah, but it's not nice to point it out. But over the last 10 years, I have begun to worry less and less. I'm way better than I was 10 years ago. And I believe that through Jesus, we can not only find peace in times of fear, which is the biblical promise, but more than that, we can do battle with fear and worry, and we can win. We're doing a sermon series on how the kings of Israel messed everything up. But today, I want to look at something very unique in the Bible, a good king. And his name is Hezekiah. And he not only has peace when facing disaster, but he battles fear and worry and wins. Now, the background for this, if you remember, is that after King Solomon, the nation of Israel split into two, with Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Kings come and go in both kingdoms. Some of them are good. Most of them are horrible. Worship foreign gods, do terrible things like child sacrifice. So God sends people called prophets, people like Isaiah and Jeremiah and all of those guys to call the two kingdoms to repentance. But they don't listen. So after centuries, God decides the only way that he can get their attention is if something drastic happens. So he allows the Assyrian Empire in 722 BC to conquer the northern kingdom of Israel. What you've got to understand is the Assyrians were one of the cruelest nations in history. They were the Nazis of their day. They had a policy of genocide for all conquered people. And so they wipe out Israel, and then this genocidal empire attacks Judah. Do you think there was fear? Do you think there was worry? But King Hezekiah of Jerusalem pushes back on worry and fear, and he wins. And he does a couple of things that I, can, I think are helpful for us. 
to defeat fear in our lives. And the first is this, unmask the lies that fear tells. And I'm going to spend most of the sermon on this one point because for me it has been revolutionary to get a hold of this concept in my battle against worry. If you take nothing away today, please remember this phrase, fear lies. Fear lies like a cheap rug. Okay? It just lies and lies. And we see it in the story where the commander of the Assyrian army engages in psychological warfare by shouting all these scary things to the people in Jerusalem, right? You're outnumbered. You're gonna de- we're going to destroy you, right? Look at all the other countries we've run over. Sepharvim, Hannah, Arpad, on and on. I have, I have no idea how to pronounce those, but I said it boldly, so you believe me, right? <laughs> Look what happened to them. And the Israelite soldiers say, speak to us in Aramaic, not Hebrew, because they, they don't want the people to understand and get afraid. But the commander then says, well, why shouldn't I say what I've got to say to everyone who, like you, will, quote, have to eat their own excrement and drink their own urine? Whoa! Right? This is why you can't read the Bible in church. Right? Mark Twain, the dirtiest book I ever read is the Bible, right? This is, it, it's just so raw, right? But here's, here's one of the way that, that ways that fear lies to us. It exaggerates the threat. That last line is pretty exaggerated. Not only are we going to defeat you, but whoa, look what's going to happen. Now, I don't know about you, but when I start to worry, especially at night when I'm trying to sleep, I can end up in some pretty crazy places. Does that happen to you? Right? What if we have this problem at the church? What if we have that problem? What if we don't make the budget? What if people blame me? Then I might get fired, and my wife's going to leave me, and she's going to take the dog. Even though we don't have a dog, she's going to buy a dog just so she can take the dog. <laughs> And my life will be a country music song. <laughs> right? You ever get there? You worry in the middle of the night, right? And you just work your... You wake up in the morning, you go, what? what? What was that all about? It's because fear lies. And it exaggerates. I know a woman who, if her boss offers even the smallest constructive criticism, she thinks she's about to get fired. Because fear lies. And it exaggerates. And our culture doesn't help, does it? Especially the media, right? The goal of every TV commercial is to make you afraid that you have bad breath or that you're not driving the right car and that's why you're not having as much fun as the people in the commercial, right? Be afraid, right? And then the news, right? I mean, don't even get me started on swine flu. I mean, don't even get me started on that, right? Headlines that blare, man dies from swine flu. And then down in paragraph 20, you discover he had 10 pre-existing conditions. Might that have had something to do with it? Right? And now the CDC is saying not only is it no worse than normal flu, it's less contagious. Sort of like bird flu turned out to be. But I digress. (laughs) Now, I am not saying that there aren't real dangers in the world. There are. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't take reasonable precautions against them. Absolutely we should. But we also need to remember that fear exaggerates and distorts our view of reality. And reality just gets all weird when we're in the grip of fear. Someone sent me a list called Reality According to Hollywood that shows how the movies don't quite represent things the way they really are. And it says, for instance, according to Hollywood, it is always possible to park directly outside the building you're visiting. (laughs) Ever notice how the car just pulls right out, right? According to Hollywood, any person waking from a nightmare will sit bolt upright and pant. You know, as you do. According to Hollywood, it doesn't matter if you're heavily outnumbered in a martial arts fight. Your enemies will patiently wait to attack you one by one, dancing in a threatening manner until you've knocked out their predecessors. (laughs) Not accurate. 
And neither is the world when we're looking, through it, looking at it through the lens of fear. Because fear lies. So the first thing we have to do to push back on fear is unmask the lies and, and with God's truth. And that's what Hezekiah does. He says to his people, do not be afraid because of this vast army. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord. That's the truth. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah said because he unmasked the lies that fear told. Now, there are a couple of ways that we can do this. The first is just to simply calm ourselves down with the truth. Rational thinking. I have a friend who faced losing his home because of serious financial difficulties which was scary, but his fear exaggerated the threat because he worried not only about losing his home, but that if he did, that he'd be miserable, that his life would just be completely destroyed, that his friends and his wife would lose respect for him, on and on and on. And it just kind of obsessed him. And finally, he started thinking, wait, 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 wait. Okay, I used to not own a home, and I was happy then. And my real friends are not going to think less of me if I lose my home. And he sort of talked himself down, and it the truth took some of the power out of the fear. And as it turned out, he did end up losing his house. And now he has to rent one. And yes, someday he'd love to own a home again. And yes, that was hard. But guess what? He, he, his wife and his friends still respect him. That thing didn't come true. And he's happy, even without home ownership. Especially, he says, when something breaks and all he has to do is call the landlord. Bad enough to lose your house, but fear exaggerated the magnitude of how bad it would be. It lied, which made it worse. Now, I know some of you are facing some pretty difficult challenges. Health problems, financial problems, and those are real and those are hard. But chances are fear is exaggerating the threat in your mind even more and making it worse. And doing you no good, right? I mean, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Whatever problem you face is bad enough without adding worry on top of it. So where is fear lying to you? Unmask the lies. If need be, get some help from a friend or a pastor or, or a spouse. My wife is great at this. Right? Whenever I'm worrying about something, she'll say, Oh, Scott. Sort of in that tone, right? Oh, Scott. Remember when you did college ministry and you're always worried it was going to fall apart and it never did? Remember that sermon that you thought was career-endingly awful, but it wasn't? You know, I mean, it was awful, but it didn't end your career, right? <laughs> Everyone survived it. Has God ever failed you? And the answer is no, and he never will. She's unmasking the lie. She's also doing one other thing that's helpful in unmasking the lie. She's reminding me of God's faithfulness in the past, which is a great way to unmask the lie. Remember how God has delivered you in the past, or even when something horrible did happen, how he was there, how he steered you through, how he gave you strength, how he brought good out of it. For me, that moment is always my divorce, right? When the worst happened, I experienced God in a deeper way, and he used it to make me a better person, and that is a cornerstone for me. So when things are tough again, I can always go back there and I say, remember then, Scott? Remember when you thought your life was over? When the worst happened, God showed up then. He's going to show up again. And it unmasked the lies. I read a story from a man who went to a football game at the University of Wisconsin to cheer on his team. Only problem was Wisconsin was losing very badly. But this strange thing happened when he was there. As Wisconsin fell further and further behind, the fans started to cheer more loudly. 
And at really odd times, even though their team was just getting killed, finally he figured out what was going on. The reason for all the cheering had nothing to do with the game. There are all these groups of people, people clustered around a portable radio, all these groups all over the stadium, and they were listening to the World Series, where their team, the Milwaukee Brewers, were beating the St. Louis Cardinals. And so they were responding, they weren't responding to their immediate circumstances, they were listening to a whole different game. It's that way with fear and worry. When they lie to you, don't listen. Listen to a different voice. Listen to the voice of your father. And you can beat back worry and fear. Not just find peace, but defeat it. And I know for some of you that just seems impossible. I get that, right? As a worry guy, I get that. You know, worry just seems to be part of who you are. It's just in your DNA, right? In fact, I may have said this before, but in fact, geneticists have even discovered, they think they've discovered a worry gene. A gene that makes you worry. And right now, some of you are worried. You have the worry gene. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Right? But you don't have to take it. Look, if I can start to get free from this deal, so can you. Unmask the lies. Okay, there are a couple other ways Hezekiah beats back fear. I just want to mention them quickly. That's the main one. But I want to mention just a couple others briefly before I close. Second thing he does is he prays honestly says that after Hezekiah receives all of these threats verbally and then in a follow-up letter from the king of Assyria, just to make the point, says that he went up to the temple and spread it, the letter, out before the Lord. I just think that's a great image of how we can pray. Just spread it out before the Lord. Here it is, God. Just, right? And then he says, It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations. He's not Pollyanna. He's very honest with reality. But then he acknowledges God's power when he says, but the gods of all those other nations were only wooden stone. Now, Lord our God, deliver us so that all the earth may know that you alone are God. He acknowledges God's power, God's power. When you are afraid, all you have to do is just lay it out there honestly in front of Jesus. And I said this last week, but try this in your prayers. When you pray, imagine Jesus sitting next to you because he is and talk to him this way. Not this way, this way, I keep my eyes open and I just look at him and talk to him. Because he's there. I've had a couple of people tell me this has revolutionized their prayer life to do it this way. Made it more intimate, made it seem more real, given them more strength and confidence. I have a friend who was unemployed and also having a hard time with the woman that he was dating. And one night he was walking home praying about all of these burdens. And at one point he looked up and the way the moon hit the branches in the tree made it look exactly like Jesus on the cross. And he knew it was just shadow and light playing with him, but it gave him this sense of confidence that the cross was so much bigger than anything that he faced, that he was going through. And he said, you know, it made me feel the way I do when I'm playing basketball. You know, that there, whenever you play basketball, you know there's always that one guy in on the team. Everyone knows if they just get the ball to that one guy, he's going to score. Maybe like the Bulls felt about Michael Jordan. And he said, in that moment, I knew that Jesus had the ball. And I felt him saying to me, this is hard right now, but I am going to help you. You're not alone. And he said, I felt so much joy, I started to laugh and cry at the same time. He prayed honestly, and as he did, Jesus got bigger and his worries got smaller. Okay, unmask the lies. Pray honestly. Third, do what God says to do. Action itself brings relief from worry. Do what God says to do in Scripture. If you're worried about a broken relationship, Scripture speaks to that. Go reconcile it biblically. Do what he nudges you to do in prayer and do what is wise. 
If your marriage is in trouble, wise thing to do is go to a counselor. If you're unemployed, wise thing to do would be to send out some resumes and network. Unmask the lies, pray honestly, do what God says to do, and finally, surrender what you can't control to Him. You can't control it anyway. And trust Him with the outcome. Hezekiah did what he could. He marched his army forward. But there was a whole lot he didn't control. And he trusted God with the rest. And so what did God do? Here's how the story ends. God sends a plague into the Assyrian army. It scares them. So they run away. And then there was a coup in Assyria. And the king was killed. And Assyria never bothered them again. And sometimes God does a miraculous deliverance just like that. Sometimes he does. But you know what? Even if he doesn't, and the worst happens, he still gives us his presence, strength, and joy in a way that makes the problem seem smaller, that makes us stronger, and we can have victory. I got an email a while back from a woman who was unemployed and just at the end of her rope. And she woke up one Sunday and she, did, she didn't feel like going to church. So instead she took her dog to the park. And I'll pick it up in her words. This is what she wrote to me. She said, I spent a long time there talking with God and seeking his comfort and his provision. I finally said, God, I can't do this anymore. I don't have any money. I've ransacked my brain for ideas and still come up with nothing. I surrender it to you. I need you to rescue me. I didn't hear God say anything, but I felt comfort and his nearness. Well, I got home around 5.30 in the afternoon and had already put on my PJs and was going to settle in. And suddenly I just said out loud, don't know where it came from, just said, I'm going to church. It was a strange thing to suddenly say, but I changed and drove to the 6 o'clock service, arrived with a feeling of gladness. The songs seemed as though they were handpicked just for me. The pastor prayed, and it was just for me. Same with the sermon. Well, the service ended, and I could not make my way to the prayer room fast enough. The sanctuary was dark, and as I knelt there, I just felt such comfort. After a while, I thought, well, maybe I should go. But it didn't feel right. So I decided to wait until I felt God's peace. I sat there for maybe 10 more minutes, and then a woman came around the corner. She introduced herself to me and asked what was going on. So I told her all about my finances, all about what was happening to me. And then she said that she'd been through something very similar when her husband had lost his job. So she, she told me she understood. Then she said that she wanted to give me a check. She said that she had just been praying at the foot of the cross, asking God to show her how he wanted to use her, and she figured I must be the answer to that prayer. Talk about God providing in a way that I didn't see coming. I'm in awe of how it was orchestrated. Had I not followed the nudges about going to church, even though I didn't want to, and then waiting there until I felt God's peace, I would have missed his amazing work. This isn't only an example of God's faithfulness. It's also a way that God is using our church members to support each other. I wish I could find better words to express how awesome God is. I asked, he answered, he is faithful, he provides, he is present always, his timing is perfect Praise God. Rather than let fear lie to her, this woman took it to God in prayer, did what God nudged her to do, and surrendered what she couldn't control to him, and he provided. Now, he didn't solve all of her problems right there, right? That check, I'm sure, was not enough for her to live on for the rest of her life. But it gave her a strong sense of his presence and that he was providing for her needs, maybe not all at once, but her needs, one day at a time, and that she was not alone, and eventually he would guide her to a job. You see, the bottom line here is we do not have to be pushed around and bullied by worry and fear. We can push back. 
Our enemy is fear, and we can do battle with him, and we can win. Unmask the lies, pray honestly, do what God says to do, and trust him with what you can't control. And you will not only have peace, more than that, you will beat the tar out of fear and worry. I want to close with a story about Mike Collin, who was linebacker for the Miami Dolphins. And his former college coach asked him if he would help him with recruiting. And Mike said, sure. What kind of player are you looking for? And the coach said, well, you know, there's that guy, you knock him down and he just stays down. And, the, and Mike said, well, obviously that's not the guy we want. The coach said, right. But then there's that guy, you knock him down and he gets up, but you knock him down again and then he just stays down. And Mike said, well, we don't want him either. The coach said, right. But then there's that guy, you knock him down and he gets up again and again and again. And no matter how many times you knock him down, he keeps getting up. And Mike said, well, obviously that's the guy we want. And the coach said, no, I want you to find the guy that's knocking everybody down. <laughs> that's the guy we want. When it comes to fear and worry, a lot of us think that we can't do anything about it. We're just going to get knocked down. No, 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 no. We are not the guy that gets knocked down. We can be the guy who knocks fear and worry to the ground and gives it a black eye permanently. My Bible says that through Jesus we are more than conquerors, which means even in the face of health, financial, relational problems, we can be defiant. We can say, I will not listen to you, fear and worry, because you are lying. My God is the God who provides, and so I'm going to listen to him. And I will not give in, give up, or, 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 or back down. I will push back. I will spit in the face of worry and fear. I will not take it. I will be defiant. Because in the words of one of our modern worship songs, I am a conqueror and co-heir with Christ and firm on this promise I'm going to stand. And in spite of whatever challenges I face, I will bring praise. I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me can remain. I will rejoice and I will declare that God is my victory and he is here. So fear and worry, you might as well shut up because I'm just going to plug my ears and go, na, 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 na. I'm not listening to you because my God reigns and I take my cues from him. Jesus, will you please help us to live in that strength, to live in that confidence, to live in that victory so that we can know your joy. Lord, whether it's tonight, next week, or next month, when we face fear, Help us to unmask the lies, turn it over to you, and know that you are victorious and live in the strength and confidence and joy you came to give us. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.